The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the one and only Joe DeFalco. He's the owner and creator of Future Stars of Wrestling, FSW, here in Las Vegas, Nevada. How you doing today, Joe? Oh, words cannot describe it. <laughs> uh, this uh, past weekend, um, before we get into wrestling talk, a uh, little bit of uh, football draft went on. Uh, any uh, Anything good come out of it for you? Not really. I'm, you know, I'm a huge football fan, but I'm more of a football fan fan. Uh, with me, it's normally team-driven for most people. For me, it's individual. So if I like somebody, like a Pat Mahomes, now I'm rooting for Kansas City because I really like him. Sure. You know? And looking at the draft, you know, it's the same thing. They all take those quarterbacks early. And, you know, three out of the five won't pan out. And, you know, the other two will still get another chance. Like Sam Darnold, uh, you know they blame the Jets. Yeah, and that's a new, new, new philosophy and a new thing. Well, then why wouldn't you keep Sam Darnold? He's a good quarterback, right? Supposedly he was the number two pick in the draft. Now you just traded him to get another number two or three pick in the draft, and now Darnold moves over to Carolina, who then they got rid of Bridgewater who then goes to Denver, but Drew Locke was supposed to be the guy, but then they got Bridgewater, and it's just like the rotation system. And yeah. then you got Garoppolo, who does nothing but win when he plays, but he's not flashy enough, so people want to get rid of the guy. Yeah. For a guy who probably won't be ready for a couple of years, he went to a very small school. Yeah. You know? So – People like, oh my God, you're gonna sit. You can't sit the guy for a year. Well, maybe Miami would have been in the playoffs if they would have sat Tua for the year and just let Fitzpatrick play. Yep. Uh, back in the day, Aaron Rodgers sat two or three years. Didn't didn't stunt his growth in any way. Oh, you know? yeah, absolutely. And and even though like someone like Steve Young was, you know, a guy who had uh, a number of years under his belt. You know, with the Bucks, and then uh, also with the AFL or the uh, oh, USFL. The USFL, right? You know, he had to sit behind Montana when he came in. It's like uh, the Bears. You know, they trade up now for Justin Fields, but they just signed Andy Dalton, and apparently they had to call Andy Dalton and just let him know, "Oh no, no, no! You're still going to be our starter." And it's like, yeah, don't worry. You're still going to be our starter, whether you suck or not. Well, no, he's not. It's like he's got to perform. Yeah. You know, with the Cowboys last year, Dalton played pretty well early, but then he kind of struggled. You know, he yeah. 
he's he's one of those up and down quarterbacks. He's like a Fitzpatrick where yeah. he can put on amazing games and then shit the bed and there's just not a lot of consistency with him. Yeah. So, you know, in the right situation and the you know it, it's it's a lot of systems, man. The system quarterback. It's like if Justin Fields gets the system that they want to roll him out and do stuff, well, he'll probably be more successful if than having to run Andy Dalton's offense, which is probably going to be, you know, a pocket offense. Right. Right. And with no offensive line, um, you know, we're, we're seeing this more and more in football. No offensive line. You're a pocket quarterback. Forget it. Your career is probably going to be over because you're going to get hit. And Dalton already had that horrifying injury, uh, you know, a few years back. So it's interesting to see how the game has evolved. And, you know, I look at your jersey that you're wearing right now. Whatever happened to the, the running backs that we grew up Greatest on? Greatest running back of all time for only six or seven years. But he took so much punishment. Earl Campbell. Yes. One of the... And let me tell you something. I was an Oklahoma fan as a kid, and he played for Texas, and I was still amazed. You know, they still show some of those highlights where he's just barreling through people, and he looks like the linebacker and not the running back. Yeah. And, you know, I I don't know what it is because even a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, who they did draft high and they did put in a good position, he was great. He held out, and then he came back, and and he's been – you know, a shell of what he was, you know, yeah. is it the offensive line? I, I don't know. You know, not everybody's like Ricky Williams who took some time off. And when he came back at 31, 32, he was still good. Yeah. You know, nowadays it's like, it's, it's this huge rotation system. And, you know, the, the only recent running back that's really been the guy that's always around to get all the carries uh, was Barkley with the giants. Yeah. But then he real early last year so yeah it's and i also think too if i you know just thinking back um like watching walter payton watching emmett smith watching uh barry sanders uh there was this factor too where those guys even though they took a lot of hits you never saw those guys on an injury list which to you me, know, fab- I mean, what happened to that? You know, I, I was never the biggest Barry Sanders fan over Emmett Smith. I always thought Emmett Smith was way better. Yeah. The thing with Barry Sanders was his first 10 carries, he can run for a total of three yards, and then he runs for 70 yards. And now all of a sudden he's got 11 carries for 80 yards. Oh, man, Barry Sanders, fantastic. Right. And that's why it's like he didn't get a lot of touchdowns because – those one-yard, two-yard runs, he wasn't built for that. Right. And, you know, that's why I would have took a Walter Payton or an Emmett Smith all day over Barry Sanders. Without a doubt, the most exciting running back probably ever. Right. And I see him juke and jive and make guys miss un- unbelievably, yeah. you know. But he's also a guy that probably ran for more minus yards on a carry than <laughs> – anybody in the history of football yeah because again when you <laughs> you put talent with a team that's just unbelievably horrible except for i think they had two good years you know i think he only made the playoffs once it's just mind-boggling 
how well they they did have a great quarterback. They had Eric Hipple and Scott Mitchell. So you know, <laughs> Eric Hipple. Oh man, Scott Mitchell used to kill the Bears. I used to hate him. And then uh, I think the Bears got him for like a season, and it was like, well, that's not the guy who played against us. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he had that one good year when Mont- when uh, Marino got hurt and then got the big contract yeah. and wasn't that great. So, uh, you know, this uh, week we're heading into uh, big old Cinco de Mayo in the middle of the week, and then just a couple days later on Saturday the 8th, we get Psycho de Mayo. That's right. Much much more enjoyable this year than Cinco de Mayo. Absolutely. Um, if you want to let the fans know, um, you know, there's there's going to be Psycho Clown, but uh, the opponent was just revealed. Who is uh, Mr. Psycho Clown going to be wrestling? Uh, he is going to be wrestling Sam Adonis, who we've had at the arena before. Uh not working for FSW, uh, working for Sin when he was doing his stuff. Right. But uh, anybody who follows AAA saw that the uh, invasion began as Sam Adonis is a CMLL guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know the circumstances in that, but he debuted as a, a mystery partner in the main event at one of the biggest shows that AAA has. And the feud just getting restarted in AAA, and now we're coming to Vegas. So we're fortunate enough that we're going to be hosting uh, the matchup. Yeah. Uh, where Echo Clown and, and Adonis, you know, be, before the pandemic, they, they were kind of running the circuit and from different companies in Mexico on the Indies, and now they're in the same company. So, you know, we're hoping that. Once again, because it happened before with Cross, that, you know, our footage gets put on AAA television thanks to our good buddy Conan. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about Conan. How uh, how did your relationship with him develop? And going back to your radio show days um, when you were doing WCW, was he a guy that you actually met back then and started a relationship with then? No, he was he was a guy I never met back then before. Uh, we may have chatted a little bit, you know, because he represents, you know, a lot of the luchador guys, and he was a guy to connect if you wanted Pentagon and Phoenix. And we tried a couple times, nothing really worked. But shockingly enough, my son, uh, here on their podcast – you know, doing some goof skits, sketches, sketches, skits with Disco Inferno. So the first time I met Conan was at uh, the Lucha thing that Klein Rock and the Mass Republic did at the Westgate. Right. A few years back. And uh, hey, I introduced myself. Hey, yeah, my son's Joey, blah, 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 FSW. And he knows who we are because... You know, Disco was pounding cross to Conan for a very long time. So we finally hooked up. We chatted. It's like, hey, love to have you do a seminar, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, awesome. You know, when Impact's in town, maybe we can do something, you know. And it still took a little while. And 
he was still at, he was working at Impact, and uh, we got Hammerstone a match. He worked in a, a pre-show match against this guy Brubaker out of Chicago. Hmm. You know, pretty talented dude. And they had a match. Hammerstone was strong. You know, they put him over, and the biggest concern was Hammerstone looking like Triple H, which was fun because the day of the tryout was the day before the show. And, you know, that was one of the comments that were made, you know. So that comment got back to Hammerstone, and when he showed up the next day for his match, he cut all his hair off and basically went, I think, Savers, and bought some pants and and totally different look. And Sean Dupari was an agent for his match. So when he came out and saw him, he was like, "Fuck that that that's awesome that you uh, took what was said and kind of changed it, but you still need to be the guy that they chose." Right. So go crazy overboard. You know, cutting the hair, good little spiel. But, you know, utilize the look that you do have, you know. And they chose not to sign him, but Conan liked what he saw. And then, you know, talked to the bosses at MLW. And within no time, Hammerstone uh, was signed there and then got a great opportunity to where now he's, he's one of their main guys. Yep. So then we, the, then we did the tryout. Uh, before Samstown show, I was one of the Meccas, and uh, I felt that Damian Drake and Vandergriff would be guys that Conan can utilize. So we put matches together. There was probably, you know, 16, 18. So we had about eight or nine matches, and I made sure Vandergriff and Damian Drake had the match together. Sure. And they had the match. You know, all of a sudden, he slowly started using him to where he became a regular in the Tijuana shows that they were doing uh, that Douglas James and a few other guys, Adrian Quest, I believe, and, and, and some other talent that was utilized, mixed in with the traditional uh, AAA talent. Right. So, you know, and, we, and, and then after that, he was the one who brokered the deal. Uh, for Pentagon and Phoenix. Right. So we got them at the next Mecca after that. So, you know, we've chatted on occasion, and once things get back up and running, you know, hopefully we can do some stuff with them again or him again. Yeah. Um, very valuable relationship. Um, one of the, you know, one of the best eyes for the business in, in Conan. And, you know, we can't. And he's hooked up. You know, it's it's rare to see a guy like that. It's like, oh, okay, he's a main guy at Impact. Oh, yeah, he's a main guy at MLW. Oh, he's a main guy at AAA. Right. So you want to talk about multiple, you know, connections. You know, well, maybe you may not fit the Lucha style of what they're looking for at that point. But, hey, you might fit an MLW, might fit an Impact. And I'm pretty sure his word, you know, goes pretty far uh, with those companies because – he seems to always pop up, whether it's another company in Mexico that I know he's been working with. Like, it seems like Conan is never at a shortage for work. <laughs> true, true. And uh, it's, uh, like you said, invaluable, especially, you know, with companies like MLW, 
which has now kind of struck up a little working relationship with WWE, it looks like. Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming WWE is going to be sending NXT uh, talent that might not be getting enough exposure in terms of ring time to uh, MLW. And, of course, that means there'll probably be a little bit of a t- talent exchange. Most likely MLW guys who go over might not, you know, go over in uh, matches that they might show up on. But does this open the door for guys like Hammerstone, even though he has a longer deal, uh, the potential of A, the WWE taking a full-on interest, and B, because of her working relationship, is it easier for guys to get... um, for for a company like MLW to say, you know what, we'll give you your release because the big company we're working with really wants to have you and we don't want to hold you back from that experience. Is Would that be how that kind of working relationship would go um, for most, you know, not specifically WWE, but for most companies that have, um, you know, a working relationship to kind of help each other out well if if you look back evolve was initially the place where wwe would send people but the difference was evolve wasn't really sending people to wwe right you know they being that they were both based out of florida it was easy but yeah they may have used some of that talent for enhancement, but they were never put in any position to succeed until they got signed by WWE. Right. You know, the other companies are looking at it as, Hey, you know what? Kind of like us with the Donis and, and psycho clown, you know, triple a is sending them, you know, we, we are not involved in, in anything, travel, hotel, you know, payments. Right. So it's a win for us, exposure, and the ability to use the talent. So I'm pretty sure MLW is going to be excited. Not that they're going to be able to probably use guys like Gargano or Cross. Right. But you never know. You know what I mean? But, you know, I can't see Hammerstone and Cross happening in a title title match. But that would be, you know, if it did. Now... Similar to the ECW-WWE, you know, relationship. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if Vince wants a certain guy, like a Hammerstone, and he sees him, or a Jacob Fatu, you know, to join the family, I'm pretty sure that that negotiation will go a lot smoother you know, that, than it normally would. Right. You know, I know Stone ain't going to be able to say, hey, bro, thanks for everything you're doing, but uh, AEW wants to pay me a lot of money. I want to go. They're going to be like, too bad you got a contract. Right. But if WWE is involved and WWE says, hey, here's a little something, something on the side. Thanks a lot for letting it happen. You know, the, 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 those deals occur. Then, yeah, you know, it, it definitely – there's no way in the world it can hurt a Hammerstone. Right. It doesn't do anything for him, but it's but it can't hurt him, so it's possible that it could be a benefit. You know, even if 
they used footage of Hammerstone saying he's wrestling Dexter Loomis, and they're going to do it for the MLW Open Weight Championship, and Hammerstone wins. Right now, whether they're going to be using guys like that or or just a lot of the younger talent that never's on TV that NXT fans don't even know who the guys are. Well, then you know that that becomes a different story. Right, and it makes me think of um, the relationship they had with Smoky Mountain, where you had a person like the Undertaker come down, and that was his first exposure to a guy who would become Kane and Glenn Jacobs as Unibom, um, they used to have such a cool relationship where those bigger guys would go down and, and help out, uh, you know, Smoky Mountain. Well, well, just like UPW, when they sent RBD, the Hardys, you know, Hall and Nash, I don't think, I don't know if they were working for them at the time, Hmm. but yeah. But but they were basically the developmental on the West Coast, yep. and they would have a big show. You know, I'm pretty sure Rick Bassman enjoyed those uh, those ticket sales when the Hardys are wrestling on the show. Oh yeah, it was always um, the Galaxy Theater that they used was a sellout, um, and you know, yeah, it was a great little space because he had a bar in there. So you had extra, basically, standing room space because it was a little more open design. And, yeah, when Regal, the Hardys, Angle, God, um, all these guys came through. But I found the most interesting person to me was when um, Bruce Pritchard would actually come in and watch you know, some of the work being done. And he would give the guys the notes, and it was... Like you said, the developmental territory. So it was interesting to get that perspective of the training of what goes into a WWE performer as opposed to, you know, other guys who have wrestling schools at that time that were basically just collecting your 350 bucks a month and, you know, hey, go at it. Here's a ring. Have, you know, have at it. We'll you know, pay you 20 bucks to be on a show. When you look at your philosophy and the trainers you have at your school, do, with all that experience that the guys have and the wonderful emphasis that the students get because of all that experience, do you feel that when guys get the opportunity like Hammerstone will get in this situation or like Lacey got at, you know, the WWE tryout, that you guys are as close to a polished, um, you know, finish of, of, you know, let's say, what, high school graduation equivalent, so that the students can now go on to what would be essentially college or grad school um, in the sense that they're ready to now learn that that next tier of what it takes to then become a uh, a star in you know a company like WWE. Well, what you got to understand is you know the training is the training. Okay, you know if if you go to Nashville and you got Pritchard and Kane, and you come to Vegas, and there, there's many places that have really good trainers. 
the thing is for people to get better, you know, I could tell you all day till I'm blue in the face how to do something, but what you shouldn't do. But when you step in to training and you have the list of guys that you're potentially working with matches and practicing with, whether it's a Remy Marcel, whether it's a Cody, whether it's a Sin, whether it's a Kenny King, you know, whether it's, you know, any of our main guys when Cross was there, when Damien Drake and Vandergriff and Jay Vidal and Lacey, and you're getting to train with these people, you know, how does Maserati and Stan Dramoon not get better training with Lacey? Right. You know, they're pushing them, you know, not saying that they're complacent in any way, but maybe they feel they're good enough. And then now they feel, hey, you know what? I still need to do a little work because now you're being pushed. Right. Because everybody has an ego in wrestling. If you don't have an ego, you're not going to succeed. If you're content with where you're at on the card, then you're never going to be that main event person. Right. You know. I, it doesn't bother me. You know, we joke. I always joke about the Suavecitos and, and you know, Danny. Oh, this is going to be the banger. You know, we're going to have the match of the night. And that's great to know that and feel that. But the only thing I, I, I want to make sure of is when you don't have that banger and you know the match sucks, you know you need to work on stuff. Right. And the match they had didn't go very well and hey jefe you know what you think i'm like well to be honest with you it kind of sucks and like yeah we know you know we're probably getting a little cocky and it's like a little cocky you've never been a little cocky you know but you know sometimes you see the heat and oh and yeah and you have a couple good matches and that's always going to happen with the younger guys. Yeah. Like, they are going to have – if they're capable, they're going to have a really good match sometimes. And right. things are going to work perfectly. And if there is a mistake, it gets fixed quick. And then sometimes shit just isn't going to work. You know, I always say, yeah. you know, when Kenny King and, and Rick or Eli Drake, you know, had a match at Silverton, it was one of the worst matches on the, on the card that day. You know, it happens. Yeah. You know, the best of the best are still capable of having crappy matches. You know, just like a green guy who gets put on a show by us, we feel he's ready to, to, to work a little bit. You know, he's definitely capable of knocking it out of the park. But in more cases than not, there's going to be stuff that needs to be picked apart. Because, you know, Chris Bay wasn't unbelievable the first match he had. He was a guy who looked like, wow, this guy might be something, but he still had to get the experience and he had to grow and he had to understand how to work and he had to understand, you know, dealing with the, the fans' reactions and, you know, getting things that, hey, you know what, moving forward, I'm not going to want to do this anymore. It looked good in training, but it kind of sucked in the match. And there, there's so much it takes to get to that level. You know, a lot right. of times the younger teams, the younger guys, like, don't like hearing, you know, you know there's the, the A-list and, you know, the, they're the B team, basically. Right. And not men in a derogatory sense, 
it's meant we have our top tier tag teams, okay, for example, which is the R&B, Death Proof, Unguided. They were the top three. They've had the most experience. They've wrestled everybody. You know, Vandergriff and, and Brett and Damian Drake were more singles guys put together, but they have tons of experience. The Sky Highs, the Creature Features, and even the Bad Bitches at that time, when they were first breaking up, breaking in, uh, you know, Jay Vidal was very, very good. Parada was still at that inexperienced level. Right. You know, Jay had way more experience. So he kind of pushed that team to where they, they became, you know, upper tier. And then you had the other three teams. And it's no slight on the other three teams. They're all solid and they all do good things, but they all have stuff that they need to work on. Right. You know, the Suavecitos of the three need the most experience. Creature feature, they got to find their niche yeah, character-wise, right. you know, with the manager. And Sky High, you know, they have a little more experience than both those teams. And you can see the progression. You know, we, we joked a while back, you know, they were looking good. Hey, we're going to put him in. They're going to have a match with the RMB. And it was like, they shit the bed. And now, you're, now you either work harder and get better or you become complacent and be content with being on some shows and not being on the big shows. Right. Well, they stepped up and they forced themselves into a situation where they are a team that has great potential to be a top team. And, you know, they're young in the business. They're not young in age. They're not 21, 22. Right. They're, you know, like – and, you know, between Creature Feature and Suavecitos, they're young guys, yeah. you know. I think, uh, you know, 24 might be the oldest of the four. You, you know what I mean? So, the, you know, the thing is, there's so much there. And, you know, you have to be willing to hear the criticisms, you know. Sorry, I'm not going to praise you because you did a good arm drag takeover or hip toss. You know, that's basic 101. You you should be doing that. Right. You know, about how the match was. When something broke down, how did you how did you make up for it? Was it so noticeable that the fans were just like, oh man? Or was it just noticeable by the boys in the back and myself saying, Oh, oh, okay, they 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 did a good job that they they kinda they kinda covered it up where only uh, uh, an expert eye, I guess you can say, because right. the fans want to be forgiven. You know what I mean? Right. But when it yeah. be blatant, you know, that's where those wonderful you fucked up chants. Oh, <laughs> uh, the best chant in all of wrestling. That makes everyone feel so comfortable when that one starts. Um, <laughs> you know, in the relationship between the um, talent and the promoter or the booker or the uh, agents in a, you know, let's say in a WWE structure or, you know, in a bigger organization structure, do you think that the talent that you guys have learns when to speak up 
about maybe any ideas they have or feedback or, you know, uh, anything that could help potentially not sabotage themselves, but um, use that ego for good in terms of, you know, when you have a good idea or, or even a, an idea that you think might work. Um, do you think that having you as, as an owner, having guys like Remy and Cody to be able to go to and talk to, is that something that's important to learn how to have those relationships with, you know, the people in those positions in other organizations so that, they're not being too aggressive, but they're also not just, you know, going into a corner and just saying yes or yes, ma'am, and then going out and just, you know, just feeling awkward because they don't know how to express themselves in those kind of situations. Is this the experience that's pretty invaluable for a lot of the guys with FSW? Well, again, that becomes the growing nature of the talent improving, uh, you know, getting to that next level. You know, initially, when their perception is, oh, cool. holy crap, I got to be on the show, you know, they're going to do whatever they're told, okay? So, generally, if you're Nick Xander and Chase Bell – and you're getting put together in a tag match, and you're going to wrestle the unguided, you're not going to probably make very many uh, assumptions of what you want to do. Right. They're going to put things together, and, and the veterans, the RMBs, the death proofs may want to say to them, hey, you know, what do you guys do well? What, you know, what are you looking to do? You know, we're going to give you X amount. You know, so don't go crazy. You know, this is basically, you know, you're kind of going to get dumped, but we're going to give you a little something, something. And you know, hopefully at that point, they express what they feel will look good, will be able to impress the promoter, booker, to where, hey, you know what? Maybe th this can be something that'll stick. You know, the only reason we put Chase and Nick together was basically because Nick was improving huge for a guy with very little time. Uh, Chase had some experience for a few years wrestling in Louisiana, but we saw he didn't have, you know, he wasn't a total package yet. He, he wasn't developed yet. You know, you saw a lot of raw talent, and he quickly – whether it was rust combination of things, but working with good people and also working with good people to say, Hey, blah, 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 do this. Hey, try that. And, you know, we felt that those guys, since we were short on a baby face tag team, that they would be able to fit in and, you know, be able to work the guys like the suavecitos and the creature features and even the sky highs or the unguided or even the, you know, R&B or death proof, you know, yeah. to, to get experience. You know, the long-term goal with them, too, is not to be a tag team unless something miraculous happens. They have matching gear. They got a really cool name. And they start, you know, they're the new rockers. You know what I mean? But, 
<laughs> the idea is for them to be singles guys down the line. Right. And in most cases, most people want to be that single star, which again kind of pushes the ego thing. They want to be the guy. Right. You, you know. What I mean? So when it comes to it's the levels that you're at. So now there's, you know, guys like Preacher Feature and, you know, the Shoguns and, and, and the Frescoes and guys like that who are a little more okay with trying to come with an idea. Yeah. Where in the past they probably really wouldn't, you know. And there's some guys who always have ideas, no matter how low they are in the card, and think they know everything and they know more than the guy who's been in the business for 10 years. Hey, what if we do this? And it's like, how, what if you shut the fuck up? You know? And, and in some cases, they don't want to shut the fuck up. Right. Like, you know, and, and again, now that goes to, okay, are they really passionate about an idea? Or is it they just want their idea to be the one that's used? Right. You know what I mean? It's like I said, if, if, if I have an idea and somebody else has an idea and it's similar enough to get to where I want it to go, I'm more than happy to try to go with their idea. There have been a couple of ideas that were like, hey, we should try this, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you know what? It's a future shock. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you do your thing. And then the idea was fucked up. And it didn't work. And after the fact, all we could do was move on. Right. It was worth the shot. It, it, it didn't happen, you know. And then there's sometimes the, you know, the ideas work shockingly to a higher level than you, you you even think it would, right? You know, and or things get changed or hey, let's try this. Oh, you know, a lot of times the stuff is done on the fly. You know, coming up with ideas, you know, I'll have an idea. And in most cases, Remy will always have a different idea, you know, sure. How good my idea is. He always seems to have one that's better. (laughs) Just ask, you know, and and in some cases it's not. And in a lot of cases, it it doesn't go to where I want to go. But when it's minor stuff and it's adjusting the finish or doing stuff, it's like, you know what? We have too much going on in the show that I'm not going to be a stickler because I'm a guy who I'll give you way more freedom to do stuff than I would think, say, a Dave Marquez will. You know, he's doing his TV thing, and his structure is his structure, and he has his group, and everything's already kind of pre-planned. With us, you know, when we're going to have a match – I may say, hey, we, you know, do this. Hey, well, what about if we, you know, do this? You know, talked about like a guy like Hero Lou, where sometimes he's a little too giving. Right. You know, in situations where sometimes you need to take. Sometimes you need to not be the nice guy. And you have to be able to pick your spots. Right. You know, there's always a great saying about, you know, uh, a, a hill to die on. You know, Remy likes using that phrase a lot. Right. And, you know, hey, you know, this is what I think, but it's not a hill I'm going to die on. Whether it's in response to somebody getting on a show, 
somebody doing something, you know, the setup of what we're doing in the match, you know, there's a lot of inner workings, but it's also done very quickly, you know, try to let the more experienced guys like this week, we're going to have Tito Escondido against Hero Lou. And I believe that's a great match for Hero. Yeah. In the growth experience of his young career, you know, he seems to have worked better when he's wrestling guys like he did he EC3 and uh, a guy like Andy Brown, who have done it for a lot longer, where Hero's just got to focus on himself instead of focusing on both guys. Right. And if he's working underneath guy, trying to put stuff together, you know, he, he he's more concentrating in his head on what he needs to do to become better, he's he's not really in that position to make Brandon G better. Right. All he can hear is, hey, Brandon, what do you want to do? And it's like, well, yeah, I do this and I want to do that. And he'll be like, oh, okay, because he's just trying to have a good match. Right. He's not trying to understand that, hey, 80-20 doesn't mean 50-50. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and, and that's what experience will get you, you know, everybody thinks they know. And then two years later, they're like, Oh yeah, I know now, (laughs) you know, it's a terrible twos, you know, they, they want to believe, okay, well, I've been training for two years and, you know, I wrestle, you know, once or twice a week for a year. I know everything until you don't know everything. You know, and you also got to understand when you're working on my show, I kind of want things this way. Right. When you go to Hollywood, you go to work it their way. You ain't going to go up to them and say, yeah, but I work for Joe and Joe's cool with me doing this, that and the other thing. And Marquez will say, hit the fucking bricks and go work for fucking Joe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and the etiquette and how to handle things and, you know, being on time for call time in Arizona means you need to figure out how to get to call time when you're five minutes away. You know, I can't make it till five 30, but if you were in Arizona, you would have left at 9 AM and you wouldn't have worried about it. So it's like, you know, you want to talk about, hey, home promotion. Hey, you need to, you know, well, why aren't we on the show? Hey, why are you using these guys? And it's like they're there before you because they treat it as what it is. Right. The wrestling is one thing. When we do a show, it's a different thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it intertwines when you're a young guy who a lot of things is like, hey, don't forget after the show, I know you had a match superstar, but you also need to like fucking clean up the fucking gym. Yeah, that's so true. And isn't it funny how uh, at the end of the show, all the young guys just kind of happen to be talking to this person or that person with the uh, side eye kind of looking and just kind of going, okay, all right. Oh, someone else is doing it. Great. (laughs) You know, Putting out office, of course. Yeah, putting out office uh, as much as they can. Um, they worked hard in their nine-minute match, you know. <laughs> uh, let me ask you, uh, and, and I don't know if I've ever asked you this question before. 
what might have been without you know giving names or anything like that is there something that sticks out to you as either character wise or uh storyline wise as something that was just absolutely one of the worst things you ever <laughs> heard come across your ears is has have you had one of those standouts for you where you're just like oh god this one well, I had one that everybody else felt that way when I was talking about Cody and the cancer angle. <laughs> and, you know, I've told this story before. Whether I've told it here, I don't know. But Cody had a massive weight loss. Right. Okay. And at that time, Cody was the lovable loser. And in my mind, in wrestling, you're telling stories. It's like a mini movie. Sure. And in a mini movie, somebody can have cancer. So we, I said, hey, Cody, I got this idea. And the idea was he's lost all this weight. He comes out and he basically has to announce his retirement. Okay. That he is going through. Uh, he has cancer. When Cody was first, you know, we'll backstory it till 2009 or 2010, uh, where we did a, a story where Cody won the fan vote for Rookie of the Year. Mike Delight felt that he should have been the Rookie of the Year. Uh, and basically, it led to Cody, whose grandfather, I guess, was very involved with him watching wrestling and watching it together and things like that. And I guess the grandfather passed away years ago, you know, no idea what, but as talking about his grandfather, you know, Cody was basically in tears, you know, where he cries. He, he says he can cry on command. Right. Okay. So fast forward eight years, seven years. And I'm like, Hey, I got this idea at the time. Jack Manley is the, uh, no limits champ. Okay. And, you know, Cody is the lovable loser. Everybody loves Cody, but he just doesn't win matches. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, it's a heartbreaking announcement that the dude's got cancer. And now he cuts the promo, you know, before I go to see you, Grandpa, nothing I would like better than to have that No Limits title around my waist. Okay? So... Being friends, Jack Manley gives cut uh, crash test Cody at the time. Right, a match. You know the farewell match of Cody. Okay, we do the Ric Flair Shawn Michaels thing. You know it's back and forth, some near falls, and, and now it looks like Cody's being put away. And at that point, you know. Jack Manley gives the I love you, hits him with the fucking shot. At that point, he kind of, you know, sighs, whatever. Like, he he's upset because he has to pin Cody. Right. And because of taking too much time, Cody, Cody kind of rolls him up, wins one, two, three, and it turns out it was all a ruse, and he didn't have cancer. And that was the Cody Hilter. 
which I thought was brilliant. But most people, there were some people who were like, holy shit, that's fucking awesome. And most people were like, you can't do that. And I'm like, why not? It's, it's a movie. Right. You know, movies talk about everything. Why can't we talk about that? You know? But yeah, that one, uh, that one definitely went by the wayside. Uh, then as a group, I remember we put the agency together. Okay. And years later, you know, a clutch and, you know, a Gregory Sharp, they will talk about how disastrous, you know, that was. You know, good ideas. I remember we did something where uh, Kid Vegas was feuding with them, and it was a loser leaves town. Uh, he was moving in Oklahoma or something, so he lost, and he left. And then a month later, he came back. So he had this brilliant idea to come in under a mask. And I thought it was like the biggest thrift shop <laughs> outfit I had seen. And it was called it was called Maniacal. And pretty much everybody knew it was him. And it was just really the shits. And it just everything didn't work in that. So th- that that the group, you know, that was one of the failed groups. Right. You know, we, we we've had factions, we've had factions they may not have lasted as long, but that was one that'll go in down in the record books is one that that wasn't really successful. <laughs> like the evangelicals I thought was a great idea I had utilizing, you know, initially it was Russian Partain, and then when Legacy left the uh, the Hater Nation and they broke up, he was a perfect fit because he was a guy involved, you know, with Russia's school. Right. And then they fused Cash at one point, and then Cash joined the Vegas Originals, even though he wasn't original. So that was another faction you know, that had its day mixed in with, the, you know, the following and the haters and the dynasty and different forms of the dynasty and stuff like that. Uh, have you uh, have you had any ideas recently for any of the talent that you have now forming some kind of uh, faction? Well, we do. It's called the MK Army, brother. <laughs> well, I mean, you've got that faction, but is there a faction to go against the army is that kind of a direction that, you know, we might see it headed almost into a, a survivor series type matchup where you have like a four on four or five on five. Well, yeah, that, you know, that is definitely the plan. Obviously the MK army had their, have their eyes set on Hammerstone. Well, uh, Toko Uso and Tito and basically MK's, you know, open pocketbook, you know, allows him to bring in a guy like Brian Pillman Jr., who unfortunately didn't make it. Well, then he called in, you know, a, a guy from Bloodsport who has a phenomenal amateur wrestling background in Caljack, and he could make one call. So there's always another guy, you know. I know for a fact he's been on, you know, the phone with, uh, even former FSW heavyweight champion Brian Cage. So, you know, there, there, there's numerous guys on that horizon. And being the fact that MK got involved and 
who's Hammerstone's buddy? Well, a guy like Graves. Well, now you got a guy like Hammerstone. You got a guy like Graves. You know, who's some young up and coming baby faces that you may want uh, or may want to help out. You know, you got a Shogun. You got you know who've had their his ups and downs with Hammerstone and Graves. You know, a Hero Lou who can benefit by doing that. Yeah. So, you know, ideas are kind of set with that in terms of, you know, faction warfare type of things, you know, with Ice Williams now becoming part of Ice Camera Faction, Lights Camera Faction, whatever it is. Well, obviously, Sefa and Chris Bay have something to say uh, about Ice Williams. Right. And this uh, Saturday night, Sefa Fatu and Ice Williams will be in the arena together. So the question is, is uh, what's going to happen between those two. And, you know, we're also looking for a match for Ice Williams on May 14th. So, you know, who could it be? Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's very intriguing. I, I like that, uh, that aura of, uh, you know, I, I have always thought that there's so much value in guys – not necessarily touching for a while and you know setting up that you know if it's what it's been uh it would be three weeks essentially between uh the end of uh the last show where uh ice camera faction gets the best of them to now potentially uh locking up for the first time for you how do you determine is it through either what's laid out in terms of your ideas and plans, um, or is it even kind of getting a feel of how the fans are absorbing it to, you know, p- pick when the right time to go with a certain match, um, as opposed to, you know, just putting the match out there because, well, it's you know, it's what we plotted. It's part of the story. It's, it's what we're doing. Um, can it benefit for you to go either? Let's put the brakes on it a little bit and let this kind of play out or, Hey, maybe we should just speed this up and kind of, you know, go on to the next idea. Well, you know, if you look at May 14th, for example, we've changed that card up 10 different times, you know, initially, been wanting Chris Bay, right. you know, for the last year, but GCW was going to do the match. So now it's like, okay, so who we're going to bring in? Okay, we're going to bring in Trey Miguel. We got Chris Bay. So you know, who is he going to work? You know, uh, one idea was, you know, say a Trey Lamar or Jordan Oliver, and then uh, we had Remy Marcel set to go up against uh, Sean Devoe. Then uh, I woke up, Bari sent me a message about how Impact changed the dates of the tapings. So I immediately uh, am not happy, obviously. Uh, then Chris Bay sent Facebook matches. Hey! And it's like, uh, hey, I just got word that they changed the date of the tapings. He's like, yeah, that's what I messaged you for. And I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? It's like, so now we got to scramble. 
So one idea was, you know, Hammerstone versus Sefa. Okay. Uh, talked with Chris Bay. He was going to get back into the mix. He was healthy. He wanted to wrestle some FSW shows. Always wanted to wrestle Sefa. So we kind of set that up. You know, Ice Williams initially was probably going to work Jordan Oliver at the uh, at the taping. Right. I even had mentioned it to him. Sefa and Bay had the match. They did their thing, and it's like, well, common sense means that this grouping needs to stay that grouping. It would make no sense to do what happened at the la- at ground zero to not showcase it. That That's why we're good at telling the stories more so than a lot of other companies. Right. To just have random matches is what a lot of companies do. We, you know, we're trying to invest in what the story is. Right. So moving forward, you know, obviously Chris Bay and ice can happen at May 14th. Cause there's no Chris Bay there, but we also are setting up things for the anniversary show. Right. So where do they go there? You know, MK's involved with Hammerstone. You know, unfortunately for MK, you know, we're going to have a six-man tag with Toko Uso and Tito. Who they're going to wrestle at this point is Graves, and we don't know the other two yet. Now, that follow-up is what's key. Like, okay, is Chris Bay going to wrestle Ice Williams? Is Chris Bagan wrestle Sefa again? You, you know what I mean? It's like, who's going to be the No Limits champion? Is is Sefa going to wrestle Ice and win the title? You, you know, but putting everything in place, and again, unfortunately, sometimes things don't work out. Right. You know, and we have to adjust on the fly. You know, I found out the day before the show that Coleman wasn't making the show. I So I had to scramble. Then the next day, I found out Gatson got hurt, and he wasn't going to be on the show. Right. So, you know, we adjusted some different things. And, you know, we had a match set up uh, on May 14th that we're trying to figure out now. Uh, The unguided are going to defend the tag belts, obviously. And they were going to defend against the bad bitches. But Parada's got some things, and he's not going to make the show. So the question is, do we put another tag team in there, or do we find a, a partner suitable for for Jay Vidal, right. which is honestly what I'm leaning toward, and because I think it would be an exciting match. And with Jay Vidal beating Matt Vandergriff, he, he – it kind of set up the idea for them guys to get a tag title match. Right. Now, Dow, I'm not going to punish one of the top rising stars in the company and say, Oh, Parada's is not going to be there. I guess what? Uh, you're not, you're not up now on the biggest show we've had in over a year. Right. Yeah. Like the hottest, uh, fan, fan base wise, that would be a travesty not to be on there with everything he's done this year. Right. So, 
But then we got a scramble match that we talked about. They may get adjusted. Maybe we pull somebody from there. You know, there, there's a lot of good talent there. You know, Gatson says he's ready to go. I thought we'd have to replace him. Jack Cartwheel, Adrian Coyle, Everfly, Bunny. And that match with the unguided would be. Look at that. You're in stunned disbelief. You fact, I think. I hope. Um, you know, in talking about the uh, 14th, uh, that's going to be available on Fight TV. Um, right now, when you look at the uh, card, can you give uh, the listeners an idea of what they're going to see on the 14th? And then also uh, for Psycho de Mayo here on the 8th, um, what are we looking for on forward to on that? And um, people who can't make it to the FSW arena will get a chance to see this if uh, they subscribe to the FSW network. Um, what do we have in store, Joe? Start with uh, the eighth week and build up to the uh, big bill. Uh, well, and Madonna's. Fresh off their staying over at the past. Uh, we got Sandra Moon and Strella in a no DQ match to try to really finalize and still one contender. Uh, Brett the Threat and Rocky T are going to have a street fight. Uh, people are like, oh, well, you know, it's kind of like a no DQ. Well, no fight, no DQ. If wrestler, kind of anything goes. So it will be different. Uh, we got Tito versus versus Hero Lou. This guy will be back. He's going to take on Nick Zan. So, you know, we still got a few other matches that we're, we're working on uh, for that show. Creature Feature is going to wrestle the Suavecitos. And, you know, Again, we're still figuring out uh, a couple more matches that we'll be having uh, for sure. And then on that one, if you subscribe to the network, free of charge, you can rent. Tickets are stillable. Uh, you know, got a lot of new faces that seem to be uh, starting their way and some old faces that we haven't seen in a while. So, you know, tickets are getting extremely limited, you know. Yeah. 14th, we're pretty much sold out of first row. Nice. You know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to speak the last of our regulars, so we're not even making – there might be some, but our regular regulars, you know, I'm giving them the opportunity to get their tickets. So if they pass, then we may open up a few. Uh, but that show is, is, is stacked from top to bottom. You know, Hammerstone's going to defend against Jordan Oliver, who's one of the top independent guys. He'll be working GCW the next day. Yep. Uh, Leo Rush gets to work uh, Trey Lamar in a match that, you know, both guys have been wanting. Leo Rush, you know, he has a hit list, so that's going to be a first-time ever match as well as the Hammerstone match. Uh, RMB and Death Proof, they're going to have their continue their best-of-three series. 
we already have the women's championship match uh, penciled in. So Maserati will defend against the winner of the eighth uh, between Sandra Moon and Strella, which would be interesting to see, you know, either way. Uh, but it would definitely be interesting to see if, if what Maz is going to try to offer her. Yep. Uh, we got the scramble match that we talked about. Uh, the unguided are going to defend titles. Uh, we got the MA six man, you know, MK wanted to make sure his spotlighted. So of course we, you know, that we're just working on, uh, you know, six man tag that we can, you know, uh, put together on that show. Uh, Ice Williams is going to defend. You know, seems like a perfect fit. So, you know, the, the card is one of the best ones that we've had in a really long time. And that one's going to be on Fight TV. You know, normally most people buy the pay-per-view the day of. Right. The night of, you know, you know, as of two weeks before the show, we had more buys than we've ever had three days before anything we've ever, wow, you know, done before. Wow. So, you know, that's definitely a good sign. So that makes me feel like, uh, you know, working with GCW is definitely helping. That you know they're putting our stuff over. Hey, anybody in town? We've gotten some GCW fans who are coming to Vegas, who bought tickets to the show, and you know Trey Lamar and Leo Rush hasn't happened before. That that's a match that GCW would normally spotlight. Right. And you know the one great thing that comes out of Chris Bay uh, not being there because of the Impact tapings is we can still do him and Leo Rush first. <laughs> Yeah. You know, can anybody say anniversary show? <laughs> awesome. Um, it You know, it's just going to be a, a wonderful uh, two weeks here coming up. Um, before we go, Joe, any uh, final thoughts uh, for the uh, listeners? You know, if you're a wrestling fan, we're able to add more seats. There's, there's the only three-foot rule instead of six. So it puts more people in the building. Uh, you know, everybody's still got to wear a mask. We take the temperatures. You know, we're trying to be as safe as possible. But you know what? Vegas is opening up, and the numbers are still down. And I'm going to go out and have a good time. And if you still feel leery about coming to the show live, you know, you're going to get an opportunity to watch a great event as long as you're subscribed for 7 bucks to the network and you get to watch the show for free. Yeah. Technically, you know, it, it's part of the coverage. You know, you'll also get to watch future shock. on May 28th included in the package. And again, we are also working on some, you know, great new programming and, and even talking about, you know, dojo wars and doing a week, a weekday show similar to Rikishi's to where the young, young kids, you know, in front of no audience, get get to wrestle in front of fans. Yeah, yeah, that's phenomenal. Um, it's you know, it's just exciting that we're opening back up, and uh, you know, you're on top of it. You've been hungry for this for the past year plus now, and um, hey, uh, 
Stop. Say that again, Joe. Said I'm starving. That's how hungry I am. <laughs> well, everyone listening, I hope you guys are starving too. Uh, please, you know, reach out to Joe for tickets. Um, again, they're going fast. Uh, but um, if you can't make it for whatever reason, or if you're, or you know, somewhere across the country, across the world, check out the <laughs> FSW Network and uh, definitely check out the Fight TV pay per view on the 14th as well. And until then, everybody, take care and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye.